for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I wanted to read that to you, to remind you that you can walk with the Lord and you won't be aware of what the devil's doing. You'll be aware of what the Holy Ghost is doing. Amen. Sometimes we become so conscious of what the devil's doing, you would think he's God. Amen. But we're to be more conscious about what the Word's doing. Amen. Amen. So let's go to Genesis 8 and we'll look at our foundation scripture. And I'm going to trust the Holy Ghost to unpack this for us this morning. And the Bible reads, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So the title of the message this morning is Seed Time, a seed sower, rather, sorry, or a consumer. The seed sower of God's word is not a haphazard experience. If you only use the word when you've got a problem, you're going to find the problem will remain around for a little while until you get the faith to move the problem. Amen. Come on, family. It's very important, this. So, when the Bible speaks of us being a seed sower, that it's not a haphazard experience. It's meaning that we're acting with careful thought about the future. Listen to Jesus. I do nothing except the Father tell me. See, we could find buildings but we have to have the right building. Where's God's hand of approval? Can you see? So being a seed sower is often referred to finance, as I've said before, and I'll keep saying, and there is a truth there. But the greatest truth is that the word of God is seed. And that's the seed we should be sowing in conjunction with 
the financial seed, if you will. So we learn to sow God's word responsibly. And I want us to look, well, we just write this down because we don't have time to go there. I want us to look, or you to look at your t- in, in your time at Genesis 1, verse 2 to 31. God sowed his word with absolute precision when he created the earth. Now, what that'll do for us, if we allow that word to mirror into our heart, it will reflect to show that you have, through the word of God, the creative power to change your world. Now, that word, the Bible tells us in that word, it says that it was without form and it was void. In the English, that would mean, if you looked at the original Hebrew, it means a worthless thing. Many times the devil tells you you're worthless. But if the word is resident in you, then your identity is not in you, but in Christ, the living word. And so how can you be worthless? And so the words that you speak, and that is God's word, is not worthless. And it's not empty. The word void means empty. So when God came to the earth, we don't have time to go back before that, um, but when God came to the earth, it was a worthless thing. It, the, it also means it was like desert, barren. There was nothing, empty. When we come to the Lord, many times people's lives are very empty, worthless. But it's not intended to stay there. As soon as the word gets on the inside, barrenness becomes fruitful. Did you hear what I said? As soon as the word gets on the inside, barrenness becomes fruitful. Because the word never returns to to God void. So if you believe, remember when Jesus spoke about the mountain, he said, only what you believe in your heart moves the mountain, not what you speak in unbelief. So you can speak the word and not believe it. Otherwise, Every religious denomination would be moving mountains around. They're speaking the word, but they're not believing it. Right? Otherwise, we'd all be different. The world would have changed a long time ago. Right? Jesus makes reference in, in um, John 8, 31 and 32, and he's speaking to the Jews. That is not a general congregation. He is, if you read it carefully, he says he's speaking to the Jews that believed on him. Only to those did he say, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Why? Because they believed on him or believed in him. Can you see? So truth is out there. Why isn't it changing everybody? Because you've got to believe. If you don't believe, 
that you're a seed sower of the word on purpose and not by coincidence. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? Because many times when we speak, we don't believe what we're speaking. So as you sow the word, faith should rise, your mind should be renewed constantly. It's a constant process. So Hebrews, so Hebrews um, 11.3, the worlds were framed. So I want to read that word in the context of how the Lord originally taught it to me. And I want you to pick it up for yourself. Some of you have heard us say this before, but I want you to pick this up for yourself. By faith, well, I'm going to read from verse 1, 2, 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's the spoken word. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Do you live here? Because you should. Let me read it the other way, the way the Lord gave it to me one day in meditating on this. By faith, I understand that my world, my world, is framed when I speak the word of God. So that things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. Forty years ago, there was no inside church in Charleston. Today there is. So when I believe the Word of God, and I know how the Word of God works, as simple as this, then I begin to frame my world. Amen. So the question we have to ask ourselves is what kind of world do we want to live in? Now, we know that there's sin in the earth. There's always going to be sin in the earth. But the Bible tells me sin has no dominion over you. Which one is it? Well, I would do so much more if people weren't a bunch of sinners. Well, the Bible says sin doesn't have dominion over you. For you're no longer under the law, but under grace. Can you see, family? I was sharing with the, with the, um, the Lord had me speak to somebody while I was in Charleston. And I said this to them. I said, the Lord taught me a long time ago, otherwise I probably couldn't have gone there to do what we need to do. But he taught me this. He said, there's two things you need to understand. The earth and the fullness belongs to me, and I put you where I want you. Do you believe that? The second thing is this, that faith is the currency of the kingdom. It buys in any currency. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can you see what I'm saying? It's that important that you're a seed sower. So you see, when those things hit your ears, when they hit my ears, the decision is, what do I do with it? 
We're going to. I thought we would get there this week, but we haven't got there yet. But we'll get there to the different soils in the heart of man, which is the four soils. So in Hebrews 11.3, the Bible says that we frame our world. Now, this is what I want you to hear. That word framed means complete thoroughly. There are too many visions in the body of Christ that haven't even got to 30-fold. Because people don't frame the vision with the word that God gave them. They keep wanting a new word. The same word that we got oh, when we got born again is the word that brought us to Durban, is the word that's taken us to Charleston. It hasn't changed. It's just grown. I'll show them, Lord. Just quicken to me. This is what happens with the word. Watch this. We're going to sneak into Mark for a minute. Watch this. Watch this. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds of earth on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up. And it becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. You can't reason the word. You have to believe the word. Let me say that again. You can't reason the word. You have to believe the word. You can't reason the word. You have to believe the word. And then that's what starts to transpire. So it's important that we understand. So let me just stay with this frame for a while. It means to complete thoroughly. Think about this. This is your life we're talking about. That word means to make perfect. Now, don't get into condemnation if your life's not there yet. But understand that the vision that lies before you is that God can make your life perfect if you abandon excuses and begin to sow His Word. You don't have to tell people you are sowing His Word into your life. His Word works. Just do it. It's that simple. Isn't that amazing? So there's, you've come to a place of perfection. See, as long as you've got breath, as long as you've got breath, you can release faith. It's got nothing to do with age. Think about that. It's got nothing to do with age. Amen. Amen. So it's important that we understand the completeness of man. And this is where I want us really to focus in on. Is only achieved by being a seed sower. 
You got it. We too focused on what the profile looks like. And not what the spirit of man's about. See, we created in the image and likeness of God. That's not purely physical, because he's a spirit. But in the context, the, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he looks like, he must look like us. He said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And he created man as we are. But we spend too much time in the natural and too little time in the spirit. Amen? Let's spend more time in the things of the Spirit. So it's important that we understand the completeness of man is only achieved by being a seed sower of God's Word into our own life in any given situation. Take hold of this passage of Scripture. I've meditated. I'm going to give you only two verses, but I meditated on it for many years and will meditate on it for many more years because of the weightiness of this passage of Scripture, Proverbs 4, verse 20 and 21. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen to this. This is amplified. And be willing to learn. My son, pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. I told the church in Charleston, we're not bringing South Africa to Charleston. Thank you. We bring the word because we're in a different culture. But the word is universal in any place in the earth. That's what I was telling you earlier. The word works in the Russian heart, in the Chinese heart. In the African heart, in the European heart, doesn't matter where, South American heart, the word works. That's why if your faith is in the wisdom of man and who's going to open a door, network me to get me there, you're going to run into trouble. It may work in the short term. But if you let God open a door that no man will shut, then you'll be fully equipped. In time, remember, give attention to my words and be willing to learn. So when we go into America, we don't go there as though we've arrived. I was very clear to tell all the young adults that we're not here because your pastor's incapable. We're here because there's a harvest too big for everybody. Because God is an overflowing God. God is an overflowing God. You've got to understand the dynamic of what's unfolding there. Literally, I meet with a businessman, because I had a one business appointment. I met with a businessman who's a multi-generational man from Charleston, and he said to me, we are a rare breed now in Charleston, because there are so many moving here from out of state. Why? Revival. 
revival. Are you with me? Let's read verse 21. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. If my memory serves me correctly, verse 22 says, For they are life to your flesh. Let's just check that out. It's not what we, but just help you from another perspective. Let me just check that one out. Um, it'll be in the New King James, not the, uh, sorry, Proverbs 4. Yeah. Verse 22 says, For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. For they are life to those who find them. It's a particular group of people who is seeking and prioritizing the word over life, general life, in everyday life. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. This is just so simple and amazing for me. We give our attention to something we're prioritizing in its importance. So you will only give attention to something you value. That's an ouch right there. If the word is not enjoying priority, it's because we don't see the value. It doesn't mean we don't value it. It's the level of value we put to it. If you wanted to get biceps and triceps, you'd be sitting with a trainer in a gym pushing weights so you can look good. Right? You'd prioritize training. We should prioritize training for reigning in the Word of God. Amen, family. It is very important. I want us to go to Isaiah 28, because I want this to be so simple for you as it is by the Holy Ghost, so that we all get it. Amen. So, there's a lot of Scripture, because build your faith on the Word not man's word. Amen. Amen. The kingdom of God functions in a divine order, and I want you to show you this. So listen, if you cry, squall, and bawl, how many of you know what bawl is? Not B-A-L-L, B-A-L-L. Double L, whatever. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> doesn't mean God doesn't love you when you're crying on the carpet. 
He just can't do anything. You need faith to get up and believe. And then you'll see his hand move. Amen? Doesn't love you any less, but he can't work outside of the faith realm. Watch this. Isaiah 28, verse 10 to 13. For precept must be upon precept. When God speaks with you, he will work scriptures. Now the word and his sayings, we read it in Proverbs. But even his sayings will relate to his word. Watch this. For precept must be upon precept. Precept. Precept upon precept. How many times? Four times he mentions the word precept. Remember that word. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. That line is a builder's line. Now most of us um, have forgotten about that. But my generation still remembers when the bricklayer would come and he would put a piece of gut exactly on the next layer of bricks and then he would bring it and he would tap, tap, tap until he is equal all the way across. That's the context of how God builds your life. Not, ha not haphazardly. Are you with me? And so we, if, if we don't understand this, we lose the magnitude of what our salvation is about. So watch this. For with stammering lips and another tongue, I will speak to this people, verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. Then he says, and this is the refreshing. Now watch this word. Yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. A precept is an authoritative warning and instruction. That's what it means. So when God speaks a word to you and I, and we don't take cognizance of what he is saying, and five days later all hell breaks loose, and we don't know what we should do, now we run to the Lord, and he reminds you what he has already spoken. Because he has a promise to us which says... He will ensure that the enemy cannot snare our feet. Is that not so? That's what the Bible says. And so I don't want to hear believers saying the devil's giving me a hard time. It's about time you give him a hard time. Are you with me? Stop cowering to a defeated foe. Christ the King has defeated him. And if you and I are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, how come we're playing 
or being subservient to the devil. Oh, what does that look like? That's not, that's unacceptable. Amen. The word is yea and amen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. If your faith will just be in that scripture, nobody will move you. Are you with me, family? Of course, there's written word of what's going to happen in the earth, but we're not part of that. We're not part of that. We're framing our world in that world. How come Paul, they try to kill him and couldn't until he said, my day of departure is at hand. But he fulfilled his race. Read his valedictory in 2 Timothy 4. I think it's 5, 6, or, or 6, 7, and 8. And he says, I've finished my race. I've done what I needed to do. Come on, family. But you have to be a seed sower of the word. All the time, not sometimes. Imagine a farmer sows in his land this season and nothing next season. Then what happens the season afterwards? There's barrenness. There's lack. And so don't live out of excited faith. Live out of a faith that's established on the Word of God. That neither, as, as the Word doesn't change, neither will you. Did you hear what I said? That the Word doesn't change, so you don't change. That the Word doesn't change, so you don't change. Now you change for the better with the Word. That's not what we're talking about. But we're not moved by circumstances. Are you with me? I mean, I know it sounds dramatic, but during COVID, I said to the Lord, we need a new airline into South Africa. I need to get to America. Well, within what? I don't know, two and a half months or whatever it was. I don't know the exact time, but it was a very short space of time. Suddenly, United started flying out of Johannesburg. Because I frame my world according to what I need. Now that's a blessing economically. It's not a selfish thing. Do you understand? Well, you, you can't do that. Well, I can too. <laughs> and I do. And I will continue to. Come on, family. This is where we live. This is why the world doesn't see value in the Word. Because they don't see the demonstration. Remember, the principal thing is wisdom, not faith. And understanding. Faith pleases God, but this Word brings us wisdom. In other words, prepares us always to be proactive to whatever comes down in the earth. Amen. Amen. I've got to keep reiterating because it's so important that we understand this. The devil is defeated. The devil is defeated. The only way he can get to you is because you allow him to lie to you. He has no power outside of what you give him. If you don't give it to him, the Bible says, Paul writing, he says, 
give no place to the devil. So that means you have authority to do it. If you don't do it, he can't do it. Hello. Come on, family. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, that, that Isaiah 28, verse 10 to 13, a precept is an authoritative warning. It's an instruction. I want to say this to you. It is non-negotiable. I'm in the shipping business. And you get a bill of lading. That means whoever has the bill of lading owns the cargo. And it has to be an original, and then it becomes non-negotiable. Okay? You're the owner. So when you understand the authoritative instruction of God through His Word, and you sow that Word, your protection and provision becomes non-negotiable in the earth. Do you understand that? As it is in heaven, so let it be on the earth. How come we pray it but can't live it? Come on. As it is in heaven, so let it be on the earth. Amen. Oh, Lord, what happened to this clock in South Africa? Did you guys speed up that clock when, when I was away or what? I better close out here. So, I'm going to close out with one, two, three, four scriptures. Let's go to Matthew 11. You don't listen to what I say. Listen, I don't want you to say that was a good preach. I want, to, I want you to say that word changed my life. Are you with me? Matthew 11. The word changed my life today. Matthew 11 verse 15. Where's Matthew 11, verse 15? Watch this. Jesus speaking to them, and he says, we don't have time to put it pretext. We'll just go straight to this context. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What's that saying? You can hear. You have the responsibility to hear. It is not my responsibility to get this word down into your heart. That's yours. My responsibility is to speak the word. Yours is to receive the word. Allow it to begin to bear fruit. Let's go to the next scripture. Matthew 13 verse 9. And the Bible says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's go to the next scripture. Matthew 13 verse 43. Same chapter, verse 43. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And then finally, Mark 4, where we want to try and get to when the Holy Ghost gets us there, um, to verse 9, he says, speaking of the sower of the word, and he said to them, he 
who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you go to Revelation, he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. This is not hearing words. This is grasping the weightiness of what is being spoken. God bless you.